Wait a minute. Do you still think politics is boring? Well, not when you can say fun words like cacus. Yes, it's fun words like cacus and more. With the intellectual, intersexual, and intersectional. Nicole Sandler on NicoleSandler.com AMA, American Medical Association. Oh, no. Oh, no. Hold on. Why is there something playing in my stream that shouldn't be? Oh, I see. I need to mute this window. Bear with me just a moment because I need to mute. And now I can do this. You ready? Hit it, Lauren. How can you govern if you're anti-government or write legislation when you refuse to legislate? How can you move forward when you want things to go backward? How can you clear up chaos when it's all that you create? How can you solve problems if you don't think facts exist or take care of business when you always pass the buck? How can you make policy when you have no ideas? How can you lead if you're falling for and following a schmuck? GOP politicians greet crises with a shrug. Their nonsense and dysfunction are a feature, not a bug. Each bit of social progress, they're determined to remove it. They claim the government doesn't work and then set out to prove it by being uninformed, incoherent, and incompetent. How can you find consensus when you won't compromise? How can you say trust us when all you spew is lies? And one last question that gets to the heart of it. If government's so bad, why do you want to be a part of it? Since distrust of the government's the main thing about you, you can resign and we'll be fine without you. Don't stop the video just yet. It's Lauren with a very quick reminder that these videos don't produce themselves, but you can help me by joining my Patreon, where for as little as $2 a month, you can help me continue to make the videos that help you laugh the news and would otherwise make you cry. Thanks. Thank you, Lauren Mayer. Getting us started on a Monday. Um, Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the, oh, so David McKee says, oh, my God, tune into Nicole. And the first thing I see is don't call him the Donald. Come on, that plays into the shit that he loves. No, the first thing that you see, I, I guess, when you saw the, 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 the show card that I put up for today is this. It was a picture taken of Trump, the former guy, Donald, if you must, but not the Donald. Um, in front of the courthouse. And I guess that was the gesture for saying that uh, I'm Donald Trump and I have a little dick. It's the only thing I can figure, right? I, I don't know what else he was trying to say uh, because anything else he says is bullshit. It's just bullshit. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, it's, a new, it's a Monday. And I wish I could say that it was a wonderful weekend. It was my birthday. Wasn't much fun. First of all, I'm I'm dealing with uh, with a pain in the ass. Uh, literally, there's a there's a, a a muscle called the piriformis, which I allegedly injured in the move. I guess I overdid it. Go fit me. I overdid something, and it's been over two weeks, so it's really bad. So I, yesterday, I actually went and um um. They had an appointment with a, a deep tissue guy who um, it, it worked wonders, but but it still hurts. I, I got to tell, I don't know. I guess it's it's old age 
compounded with stress, compounded with just horrible news uh, and everything else. So um, today, and uh, the horrible news does not include what happened today. Although it is. Anything about the former guy is pretty horrible. And I'm sorry that I have to waste our time even even talking about it. But I will because um, it's it's history in the making. And by the way, phone lines are open. Should you care to weigh in? Uh, 954-889-6410 is still the studio line here, though I may have moved. The phone number didn't. So that phone number remains the same. Um, yes, I moved to Arizona, Aaron Milligan in the chat room. I'm now living in Arizona. By the way, the weather has been gorgeous. It's nice and cool at night. It's, um, it is humidity free in the day. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. I would enjoy it more if we could use the pool, but the pool is, is shaded by trees. And so it doesn't get warm ever and it gets cold at night. So that's just me bitching. Cause I, and not, not that I'm, not that I'm lacking for anything to bitch about, mind you. Um, but uh, Lisa Graves will be along in a little while. And I asked Lisa to join us today <clears throat> to comment on the historic nature of what we saw earlier today. And no, you know, because there are no cameras in the courthouse, in the courtroom, um, I, I didn't pull any audio and I was listening to a lot of the coverage today, going back and forth between my, um, uh, between reading Laffey, uh, on Mastodon, who was sort of, uh, uh, live tweeting all the journalists who were covering the trial and, uh, going back and forth between, MSNBC and CNN, and I don't know which is worse, frankly. And I had to turn off the news over the weekend um, because it's all so skewed. You know, I've shared some of this with you, and and I've done it. um, uh, I see Spocko's calling. Hey, Spocko, what's on your mind? Spocko, can you hear me? Hello? Hello. Oh, there you are. Okay, you scared me. I'm thinking, okay, what did I screw up now? Uh-oh. You're... Spocko? Yes, this is me. Okay, talk to me. I'm ta- Can you not hear me? I can I'm sorry. It was it was very uh very quiet. I'm turning it up now. Okay. So, um And I'm going to talk about the exactly the things you're talking about about the case today. Okay, about the case today. So uh, it, it was hard to follow what was going on inside the court because there were no cameras in the court. But like I said, Laffey on the Mastodons was live tweeting a bunch of journalists who were there. And, and I was going back and forth between CNN and MSNBC. But um, so much of the coverage these days is so um, unwatchable. And I'm not talking about the coverage of Trump. Uh, that, that I just, I have to turn it off because I can't, I can't take it. So what did you take away from, uh, today's, uh, not festivities from today's events, (laughs) the festivities? Well, the one thing that is great about Laffy on the stream is she's pulling from three different reporters Mm -hmm. who are actually putting out the information that is going on inside the courtroom. And I was uh, talking about this with uh, Glenn Kirshner on Sunday, 
and how important it is going to be to get the trials of Trump televised. Because when it's not, what happens is the media focuses on what happens outside That's right. the trial. The video is there. Right. So it, Laffey did a great job. And one of the things that I found out was in the actual uh, testimony, they, they had a Forbes audio. There's a, there's a Forbes story that was done uh, last year, and it was about the way that Trump took his assets <laughs> and changed them. So to speak. And so I, they played it in the court, and it was very quiet. People couldn't hear it. And what was sad about this is because that report was a very clear case of how Trump manipulates his numbers. So what I did is I found the uh, I found the video, the audio from the Forbes story, and I'm not going to put up the audio just like I don't like want to put up what he said outside the court because it's not very clear in the story itself. What was great was they showed how he lied. For example, um, Trump says, well, uh, if I wanted to sell 40 Wall Street, I'd get 750 million for it tomorrow. And they point out, I'll do my pop up video. Boop, that figure was 15 million dollars higher than the 735 million listed on his personal balance sheet and 210 million higher than the 400, 540 million that Cushman and Wakefield determine as it's already questionable appeal. So boom, right off the bat, they show, he says it and there's a lie, but there's nobody to correct it. Then he goes in and he says, the square footage is, the actual square footage is 1,165,207. And he says, Trump says, is actually 1.3. By the way, it's 1.3, to be honest with you. To be so honest with you, that's something new. Then says, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I always love it when people say, you trust me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the reporter goes on about what they have as their net operating income. It's 24 million. And Trump's like, well, where'd you get that from? We're going to get make $64 million net net after debt service this year. And then, again, once again, he boosts the, the $24 million figure uh, up just a few minutes later. And this is what he does throughout that thing. And what's interesting about this audio is it also has Weisselberg in there as well as two Forbes reporter. And Weisselberg supports Trump's lies Mm -hmm. talking about, you know, how much the mortgage rate is and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's 2.5%. No, it's actually 3.65%. So the whole thing is like this of him trying to inflate his numbers in real time with the people at Forbes. And when he doesn't get what he wants, he ends up with saying, you know, Forbes is a bankrupt magazine that doesn't know what they're talking (laughs) about. Because it knocked him off the billionaires list because he's not a billionaire. Yeah. So these are the kinds of things that happen. And the thing that I was wanting to do, and I I put a couple of posts up on Crooks and Liars recently, and it's something that I think that we really have to pay attention to is the media really gets sucked into doing the back and forth with Trump. He makes an outrageous claim and they then will then, you know, repeat it in a way just to, to debunk it. But it keeps getting that frame out there of repeating that information. 
And the most recent thing that he did involved the judge's clerk. Now, did you did you hear what had happened with that? Well, I know that he kept uh, he kept calling her out. Uh, they made all kinds of claims against her. One that she was Chuck Schumer's girlfriend because. Whoa, she once posed for a picture with him. That's the kind of shit they do regularly. Right. So I don't know what the latest. I mean, they've they've uh, they've uh, I believe doxed her successfully, given out her information online. Um, they've uh, ascribed her to a romantic relationship with the uh, the Senate Majority Leader, and um, they've said she's some kind of a Democratic operative. Which you know right. what? Get a fucking life. So you have now repeated all of their smears. Yes. In the uh, top. So that's exactly what they want. Yeah. And the first time that this happened, the judge, you know, gave Trump the, the, the fine. And then he gave him like another fine and ad admission. This most recently, the lawyers, uh, Trump's oh, lawyers. Yes, the lawyers started it. Them. And then the, then the judge admonished them. You too cannot speak about my staff. As if that right. was unreasonable. And that's what got picked up in coverage then. So the the, the lawyers succeeded in doing that. And um, they had uh, Adam Kleifeld, who was, uh, again, got to follow Laffey on yes. what's going on. Adam Klaasfeld, right? Class, K-L-A-S-F-E-L-D? Yeah, Klaasfeld. Right. right. He pointed out that this is the lawyer's strategy is to discredit and to... Uh, try and basically uh, make the case appealable so that that it will be coming out as some sort of, uh, you know, bias from the judge. And that is one of the reasons they're hoping to get the judge pissed off, overreact about that and go after the attorneys. Now, in today's hearing, after the judge was pissed off about some other things and they had a, uh, a break and uh, Haba, 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 whatever her <laughs> name Haba, is. Haba, Haba, yeah. <laughs> Haba, 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 Haba. Um, she came out and she put a partial quote of something that the judge had said. And then that was spread on social media, on true social. And I'm not going to say what that partial quote is because as, you know, empty wheel says, I don't want to be a data mule for right, that. Right, right. But what they're doing at this point is trying to change what it was that is going out. They pull the headline they want for Truth Social that then the media will pick up on is saying that's what it is. The basic point of this particular changing this is that we have no kind of like social media strategy to push back. And the media feels obligated to reprint the outside the courtroom yep. extrajudicial information yep. as part of their story. Yep. Yeah, and Hamina Hamina, whatever her name is, um, she talked about uh, the judge as something about like a raving lunatic. And you know what? On my screen, I only saw one raving lunatic today. It was her. <laughs> I've got a great, Not him. A great illustration of yeah. him exploding on this. Yeah. Um, so what I'm hoping that is, you know, what's, what's going to come out of this is there's going to be the stories about how badly he lost in his comments. And this is the case that is the lawyers and the legal experts will say, we're going to win in this. What we have to do, and I think it's hard for us as being we, because you know I consider myself somewhat of a 
you know, journalist adjacent as a blogger is Mm -hmm. how do we repeat the story that is, this is a loss for Trump legally, but it can also be a way to hurt him in the social media, in the media politically, uh, in a way that is not, you know, that, that acknowledges that the legal case is really bad for him. I mean, that's something we have to do. It's like, okay, we can say that, Um, but we need to say, how do we, you know, like what's, and this is what I kept thinking about. Like, what is the PR strategy or the media strategy or the social media strategy of the good guys to say, um, stop repeating this. Here's how we, you know, show that we're, uh, we're crushing him and that he, and the media keeps coming up and say, well, the base loves it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, no. Well, you know, and and I, I, look, I can't speak for the media anymore. I'm watching a lot of um, uh, media malpractice this yeah. weekend and beyond with the with the other events that are happening in our world that uh, I'm going to take a little break from for a while now because it gets me kind of crazy. Although, who knows, by the end of the hour, eh, you may get more of it. But um, hey, Spocko, our friend Thanks. Lisa Graves is on the line, so okay. I'm going to let Say you hi go. To Lisa for me. Well, you She's just did. Wonderful. You just did. Um, so I'm going to let you go. And I'm going to, um, if I can figure this out, there we go. I'm going to bring her in and say goodbye to Spocko. And hello. Oh, hold on. I got, I got our Chiron over you. Um, we don't want that. Hi, Lisa Graves. Oh, and I'm not here. I, I, I know what it is. Bear with me. I'm still, uh, I'm still uh, ringing all the, um, the cobwebs out of this new studio. But at least this time I know, what, I know what the problem is and I can fix it in one second. Okay, now Lisa, talk to me. Hey Nicole, Yay. Hello, how are you? I love it when it works. <laughs> I, I, I had oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it was yesterday, and um, I know. Uh, it's, it's over. <laughs> it's birthday week. Yes, um, birthday month, birthday week. I did. Uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, Lisa Graves is here. Um, I'm I'm thrilled to have you back. We're we're in new digs. I, each time I come on, I'm thinking maybe I've eradicated the hollowness in the room. But I haven't yet. So I'm still working on that. Like I said, still getting the bugs out of the studio. But um, I I asked Lisa, I asked you to join us today to weigh in on a bit of history that was made today. Lisa Graves, of course, um, comes on this show acting in her own personal capacity with the um, very, very um, uh, impressive legal bona fides in your past. You were an assistant deputy attorney general in the both Bill Clinton and George W. Bush administrations. Um, you were a uh, you you were a chief counsel in the Senate Judiciary Committee for nominations. I mean, you've known your way around legal um avenues, courtrooms, both DC and not. You're you've been a professor of law and and these days you do amazing work as uh, the head of True North Research, but you're here today as your own person and not as the head of True North Research. Um, uh, did I put enough disclaimers on that? 
You did, but you gave me a promotion to deputy attorney general. Oh, I was deputy assistant, assistant attorney, attorney general. general. I knew that. I've said it so many times, but any, regardless, it's all very, very impressive. And, I, and I'm grateful that you share to, um, uh, share, you choose to share your expertise with us. So today was interesting, even though we didn't get to see the shenanigans in the courtroom because there were no cameras allowed. Um, do you think we got an accurate picture of what went on in there? Uh, well, there was certainly coverage of what was happening. Um, you know, um, I, I am uh, a fan of, of the idea of court cameras in the courtroom. It's uh, state by state. Uh, each state decides. Um, certainly people can grandstand when there's a camera. So maybe there was some upside to not having it be televised live. But I don't think it prevented any grandstanding. So, you know, um, anyway, I do think there were there were some interesting reports that came out of the testimony today. And um, uh, I did um, uh, take a take a good look at what was said and what wasn't said. So, yeah, happy to be on, Nicole. I'm happy to have you here. Now, I understand from the from the peanut gallery, there is an echo on you. And again, this is it's not on your side. It's on my side. And it's because I'm still, you know, figuring out this uh, the the uh, the new studio and to whoever said somebody left me a, um, uh, um, hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to kill it somehow. And hopefully one of these will do the trick. Um, someone said she's always having all these, uh, sound problems. And I know it's, she blames the computer, but I know it's her. Of course it's me. It's always me. We're going to take the negativity and, uh, (laughs) Focus it elsewhere, you know. Echo, echo, Uh, echo. But but you are, but but I will say, in your defense, Nicole, you are setting up a whole new studio in a whole new state, and it's a, it's a, it's an all new operation to get everything, uh, you know, all working and and to plan. But if you want, I can dial back in. uh, Give me, give me a minute. I'm, I'm waiting for the um, feedback from the chat room to tell me if it's getting any better. I have one more. I called on Skype and it sounded good. Not yet. All right. Let me try one last thing, Lisa, before I have you die. You can be on the, on the video, but I may need to, you know, I hate this. Um, bear with me one more second. I'm going to see if there's one other thing that I can kill here. Oh, I bet it's that. Okay. Now you guys tell me if it's any better, but in order for them to tell me if it's any better, I need you to speak. So, um, <laughs> so you know, it might be me though. Let me just see because I have my um. Yeah, my new it's not you. Better? No better. Okay. No, it's and Hold it's on. not you. It's Wait definitely me. No, because I I would hear it if it were you. It's the fact that I'm not hearing it. It's going. Oh no! <laughs> I keep thinking. Oh oh! I know what did it. Hold on. I bet I know what did it. I know what did it. I bet I know what did. Hold on. Let's see if this is any better. Okay. Um. It's fine now. Okay. I don't know what, oh shit. And I disconnect. Did we no, disconnect? No, I, 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 that was me. I was just testing. <laughs> How about that? Can you okay. hear me now? They say it's better now. Okay. It's good now. I killed off every, you, you don't know, you scared me because I killed off every like extraneous audio feed that it could have been. And then, and then you went away. All good <laughs> on the echo now. Okay. So, all right. So, so Lisa Graves, um, yeah, the, you know what's so disconcerting is I'm a fan of cameras in the courtroom too, um, but we had Jack Smith say that he he actually um, said he filed a brief or whatever they do to say he doesn't want cameras in the courtroom for the cases he's going to be bringing forth. 
Did you hear that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I do think certainly the tradition in the federal in the federal courts is that they're not televised. And so it would be a change for it to be televised. And I, I do think that that trial, um, you know, over the classified documents is obviously they will have cleared the documents for public, um, at least um, a substantial portion of them for the public to be able to have some sort of description of them like they did in the complaint. But I suppose in that instance, there may be some additional sensitivities about um, the documents that are at issue um, and possibly some of the people who are testifying, you know, about those documents. I don't know what we're going to see in terms of um, who will be testifying about the significance of those documents, their importance, their value, their use to the intelligence community, why it's such a major crisis that they were taken by him and, and you know, shown by him to people who aren't, class, aren't right. cleared to them. Um, so maybe, you know, I mean, if that if there were an instance where um, that that where, you know, it's, it, it's possibly, you know, beneficial to not have it be televised, that may be the instance. Um, but I, I do wish that in general, there was more um, more ability for people to see what happens in courtrooms. You and me both, because I would have loved to have seen Trump's outbursts instead of just hearing about them, because, you know, when we see him, um it 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 makes it all so much clearer right and too many uh, uh too big of a portion of the american public seems to be not getting the memo they they're just not hearing it so there was this um this uh, New York Times poll that was released over the weekend, and you couldn't have missed it because if by some chance you did miss one poll, um, MSNBC would have hit you over the head with it. Oh, my God, it's doom and gloom. Uh, Biden should bow out now because he's going to lose. That That's kind of what the poll said. Um, it, it, you know, <laughs> whether it's here or there, the, the, the fact that the media is so up in arms about one poll a year out from the election uh, just tells you that all they care about is the horse race. Um, but but it, it just shows how they put a spin on things. And uh, I believe it's all in furtherance of the horse race. Do you really think things are as, as close as this one poll would tell us they are? Or as lopsided? No, you know, it, it was um, it was certainly distressing to see on the surface, um, but but I also think it's a case of you know another flawed poll, um, and and there's some folks who've done some really good analysis of why it's not reliable. Um, uh, I mean, the fact is it's a year out, and so it's there's a lot of room between now and the election for all sorts of things to happen in terms of public opinion. But there are other components of those polls or the wording of the polls or the way they're composed. It's disappointing to see it be a joint poll with the New York Times. Um, you know, there's certainly been some other pollsters who were um, peddling, for example, the red wave lie uh-huh. or disinformation campaign back in 2022. That's primarily coming from right wing pollsters and then um, sort of middle of the road or um you know, commercial pollsters were sort of panicking and, try, and trying to like, you know, kind of redo their numbers so that they didn't undercount uh, Trump voters. But, you know, my view of this, as we've talked about before, Nicole, is that, um, you know, polling, uh, the polling process in America has some really deep distortions. For example, it's not very good at polling uh, young people no. who are not, you know, uh, answering, you know, random calls from pollsters um, and who are generally 
um, you know, much more progressive than the people who are answering the calls from pollsters um, and and also who are um, who care about uh, a lot of the issues that, you know, really the Democratic Party is the only one leading on on climate um, and more where the Republican Party is um, just hopelessly devoted to making sure Exxon's quarterly profits are unending and uh, you know, record breaking without any restraint to deal with the actual reality of climate change. So that's one thing. But the other thing that, you know, does trouble me is that um, I think there's there's just continuing sort of backlash or readjustment from 2016, where um, the pollsters are are um, taking like, let's say, let's say it's a thousand five hundred people to get to a thousand person poll. And then they're remixing it to get the proportion of Republicans they think exist, mm-hmm. the proportion of the independents they think exist, the proportion of Democrats. And and yet we know that there's been a tremendous number of Republicans who've left the party, uh, people who are no longer part, not just Mitt Romney, but there are other people, you know, who are who have expressed, you know, deep concern about Trump and his fascism and his threats of violence, his threat to put troops in the streets yep. the day of inauguration, his threat to use the Justice Department to go after every single person he opposes, to you know totally politicize it, to um, destroy our agencies that protect our rights and our interests and replace them with, you know, sort of his own sort of, um, you know, right wing sort of you know, Shah of Iran, you know, take over the government with only your people, true believers sort of thing. Like, it's a horrifying uh, hellscape that he paints yes. and the future if he wins. I can't imagine that, um, you know, substantial number of Americans, including Democrats, including independents, including some Republicans and some former Republicans will say no to that vision. Um, and that the numbers are not in his favor, even if there is, you know, concern about the age of both of these candidates. Um, and whether other candidates would be preferable to some people. Right. But you know what? According to this poll, the, the one that is all all knowing and all powerful, according to the media over the last few days, is that some 77 percent of the public is freaked out and thinks Joe Biden's too old, but only 22 percent of the same universe is thinks Donald Trump is too old. Donald Trump is three years younger than Joe Biden. At that age, not much of a difference. And I can pull up things that uh, Donald Trump has said in the last week alone that should make you question his sanity, let alone his um, clarity. Uh, There is none there. There's nothing. There's nothing reasonable there. And yet. Joe Biden, agree with him or not, this is a man who at 80 years old got on a plane, did a two day trip over to the Middle East where he tried to broker some sort of peace, whether you agree with it or not, um, and then came back and still addressed the nation and did it remarkably well, whether you agree with him or not. Um, One of these things is not like the other. Uh, There's no. And so to see the right wing talk bubble spin put on it in in so-called you know traditional media is really um disconcerting yeah i mean it is i mean it is it is in some ways the worst part of some of the political coverage that we've seen in this country which is that it is about this horse race it is about trying to keep things close 
um, in a way that, or at least portray things as closer or closer than they are, or a disaster in a way that is sort of similar to, um, um, you know, the headline news of covering disasters, that that produces eyeballs, that that generates eyeballs and clicks. Um, And so, you know, and and it um, it is that sort of horse race mentality that I think has um, you know, really um, done a great disservice to the American people because the reality is, is that notwithstanding this idea that people don't care or that people aren't interested, actually people are massive consumers of information more than ever, you know, really with the internet and, you know, um, lots of different um, uh, modes of uh, gathering information, mm-hmm. whether it's social media or do- documentaries or books. Like the the reality is, is there's a robust information consumption um, industry, in essence, in America, and people are hungry for information and the truth. The problem um, is, it's impossible in in many circles to differentiate the truth from the bullshit uh, because yeah. they're all because they're presented interchangeably, and you got too many people. You know, you've got too many outlets that call themselves news with no consequences. Um, but, but the fact is they're not putting the Fox news channel on over the air TV stations because they'd be taken out, uh, taken down immediately and ruled, um, uh, not only illegal, but stations would lose their licenses because they're governed by the FCC and you can't call something news that isn't news, but cable is not governed by the FCC. So it's, the Wild West, just like the Internet, you can do whatever you want. But most people don't understand that fact. Yeah, well, that, too. And, and I think the other part is that, you know, um, I think one of our uh, friends and colleagues has pointed out that, you know, in the past 20 or so, so years, um, most of the time, the person who's the president is running under the 50 percent mark. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not necessarily an attribute of that person, although it's related to that person. It's part of just where we are as an industrial society and the, um, you know, the situation we face in terms of, you know, record billionaire profits and people's wages stagnating. And so there is a a baseline of, you know, frustration over that, but anyone, I'll just say personally, anyone who believes that Trump is going to solve that has (laughs) lost their mind. He has no desire to solve that. You know, he is someone who just manipulates whatever facts there are to try to advance his, you know, very um, extremist position and to try to manipulate people with hate and fear. So, you know, he he can ma- manipulate people well. That's certainly one of his unfortunate um, attributes. But the fact is, is that I, I continue to believe when you actually pull people on issues, um, they are in America predominantly progressive. When it comes to equality, when it comes to abortion access, when it comes to our environment, uh, when it comes to economic policies like, you know, holding corporations accountable. Um, you know, I, I think that when people have the chance to think about these issues, you know, how these particular political politicians represent them on issues, I think that, you know, in general, uh, you know, Democrats prevail unless there's gerrymandering, unless the, uh. the system has been rigged by these un- unfair maps and things like that, you know, in lots of states, um, those progressive ideas can prevail. They don't prevail every time. Um, we'll see, you know, what happens tomorrow in a number of races across the country. But I, I was disappointed in that, in that, in that poll, um, in the coverage that it got, Nicole, I share your chagrin. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll see more distorted polls like that. There'll just be need to be more of an effort to, you know, push back and just do more organizing, just do more work to help people get out to vote because, um, I don't think most Americans, I, I would say that, it, you know, it, most Americans 
were asked directly, do they want to have a, a, a leader who's a liar and who is threatening to basically shut down whole agencies of the government that that help us, um, you know, with our daily lives, whether it's schools or, you know, benefits, Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare, healthcare. They don't want that type of chaos. No one wants that type of chaos, except for people like, you know, Steve Bannon, who is um, trying to orchestrate right. chaos to advance his white nationalist extremist agenda. Most Americans aren't in favor of that. You know, some are. And it's unfortunate that some are, that they are so out of touch with reality that they would embrace such a hateful agenda. But most people aren't. Most Americans are not down with that at all. And so I continue to believe, you know, despite that poll, like the one we just saw, um, that most Americans actually are people of goodwill, are people of common sense, are people who care about democracy and are not going to allow our democracy to fall to a charlatan again. Well, I hope so. But unfortunately, and I wasn't going to go here today, and if you'd rather not talk about it, just say the word and we will move on. However, I've been inundated all weekend long with um, um, many former friends and former allies who um, have taken the, uh, you know, uh, I, I, look, if you've listened to me for over the last decade or longer, you've heard me uh, speak out nonstop against uh, Benjamin Netanyahu and against the, the actions of this very right wing Israeli government. Um, Likud. The Likud party is the equivalent of the MAGAs here. Uh, Netanyahu is no better than Trump. He was uh, uh, under multiple criminal indictments, which is why it was so important for him to get back into office. And he did. And what he is doing um, is reprehensible. That said, I've had too many people say Biden's done it. He's a, he's guilty of genocide. I will not vote for him. And, and I've seen this under the guise of groups like LGBTQ for Palestine. Yeah, you, you go ahead and don't vote for Biden and you get the alternative and see how closely they stand up for the LGBTQ crowd. You see how closely they stand up for Muslims and Palestinians. They're no friend of Jews. They just want us all to have to go back to Israel so that they can be raptured. It, it, none of it makes any sense. But there's no sense in this argument that's being blasted at me by people that I thought were allies who are like going, we won't vote. We're going to withhold our vote from from Biden, the, the war criminal, like really Rashida Tlaib from the river to the ocean, huh? river to the sea. Huh. And and she says that that's a, a, a aspiration, peace aspiration. No bullshit. That's bullshit. So, uh, you know, you can't have it both ways. And I'm afraid they want it both ways. And what it's what's going to wind up being is if they hold this line, we're all fucked and not in a good way. Well, you know, the I mean, there's just no doubt that Hamas is a terrorist organization that, you know, killed so many innocent people. And there's no doubt that um, that Prime Minister Netanyahu has, um, you know, taken extraordinary um, actions that have, you know, killed more people than were killed initially. It's just an absolute tragedy. I think that when you look at um, the public policy in Israel before this, um, you know, this terrible attack happened about a month ago, you saw tens of thousands of Israelis protesting the Netanyahu administration. Yes, and they still are. His efforts to 
try to change the state, the Supreme Court of Israel yep. in order to um, cover up or, or keep himself from being held accountable for the corruption trial that he was in the midst of. Um, you know, so there's a lot of complexity to, um, you know, what's happening in terms of the domestic poli- politics within Israel. And obviously there's um, a lot of efforts going on internationally, um, you know, by Blinken from the United States and others to try to find um, a way to end uh, the 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 war that yes. is, you know, has, has begun and is um, is continuing. And it's that's not to say that there um, that's not to say that there was no um, injustice before the terrorist nope. attacks by Hamas. There has been, you know, tremendous injustice in terms of, you know, what's been happening in Gaza and the blockade and more, you know, so I remain hopeful against, um, I suppose, the odds that there can be that we can find some peaceful solution to um, this, you know, um, escalation of violence um, in the region. Um, in general, though, I focus my work um, on, you know, the domestic issues yeah, and not the international do. issues. Yeah. Um, but it's obviously an enormous issue. You, you can't ignore what's happening abroad. It affects um, it affects our whole international security um, if that war spreads, and it affects the lives of of people, every every you know everybody in that region who fears for their life. Um, Absolutely, no matter what side they're on. And so, you know, I hope that in the longer run, in terms of U.S. domestic policy, that people who want more peace in the world you know, won't walk away from the ballot box or choose um, choose someone who might be even more aggressive, um, you know, or reckless as we've seen with Trump's, you know, homages to the dictators of the world, to the authoritarians of the world like Putin, like Putin and his war in Ukraine. So, you know, I, but I, you know, these issues of war and peace are enormously emotional. And um, as one of my mentors has said, you know, every person, almost every person uh, in the world, you know, yearns for peace for their family, yearns mm-hmm. for safety and security for their family. And that is a universal yearning. Um, and so I'm hoping that, you know, despite just the um, the violence and then the retribution and the violence, this, this cycle of violence that has been, you know, happening, that somehow... Uh, we can emerge with um, a new vision for peace in that region, you know, and in the world, and that that is a more uniting vision, um, both in the United States and abroad, because um, so many innocent people have lost their lives. And that's what happens in war. War is that's right. War is un, unremittingly cruel. Um, and it is um, uh, arbitrary yes. in the sense that um, the nature of war is not like a sur- like a surgical instrument, and that's why it's so very dangerous and devastating to um, allow to continue and to expand. Um, but you know, um, Hamas issued a statement just two days ago saying that they celebrate blood, yep. the blood of of children in the streets um, of their enemy. Um, obviously, children on both from both Israeli children and Palestinian children have have been murdered in this war. Um, and um, it's an absolute tragedy. It really is. And that, you know, and, and, and that's the point that a lot of these people who I think think they have good intentions are missing. Um, Hamas brought this on themselves. They don't, they knew exactly what Israel would do in response to the attacks of October 7th. And that's what they were hoping for. They don't care. 
if innocent Palestinians are killed, they knew that those actions would bring this on. And they're saying, keep bringing it on. Because the other thing they said two days ago was, um, sure, have a ceasefire. We're not beholden to it. Um, And the thing is, you don't want a repeat of October 7th. We'll repeat it again and again and again and again until the state of Israel and every Jew is wiped from the face of the planet. That's their stance. So, yeah. you know, I mean, that, that is not that is not an ex- exaggeration of the statements that Hamas has made. I mean, it is it's 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 horrifying. Um, it's it's like a, a Greek tragedy in the sense is. of like just this um, sort of quest for blood that they have articulated. Um, and that's not to say that, therefore, um, you know, uh, wiping out neighborhoods um, is an acceptable response no. to that. It's, it's, it's just a terrible circumstance. Like, you know, y- you would hope that if there were um, criminal acts, which these were certainly war crimes that that were perpetrated, um, you know, on October 7th, um, you know, that there would be a, 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 an effort to to capture those individuals and hold them to account. On the other hand, it is an act of war um, to to attack civilians, mm-hmm. um, and it's also you know there are definite lots of definite different components of international law in terms of how you deal with you know um, uh, what's been happening in terms of human rights in the region. And so, I mean, I I uh, I don't I can't pretend to have any um, real answer to um, this crisis except to you know, um, in essence, hope and pray that people can find a way to transcend this circumstance to find some peace because the alternative is um, sort of endless war and death and destruction and uh, and possibly expanded war, um, you know, into the region and beyond. And so, you know, I just have to remain hopeful that that we can find a way through it that that, you know, really recognizes the circumstances, you know, that that the Israelis face in terms of this, um, you know, effort to uh, to destroy to destroy them, um, as you say in the quote from Hamas, and also to respond to, you know, as as some Israeli citizens and even sub cabinet member have said have criticized Netanyahu's response, um, you know, so. Um, yeah, I don't have any answers to that, Nicole. I just um, have just deep, deep sorrow for, um, you know, what happened on October 7th. Um, and actually, you know, what's many things that have happened in the region in terms of yes. people losing their lives. Still, um, still. Yeah. And remember, there are still 240 hostages being held and this could all end if they'd release the hostages, but that's not their game plan because they want the death and they, meaning Hamas, want the death and devastation to continue. I, I, I'll keep doing this on my own. I didn't mean to pull you into this. It's it's something that's graded on me. And frankly, I had to write a really, you know, disappointing letter to Katrina Vanden Heuvel at The Nation and John Nichols at The Nation, two people who I like and respect, and tell them that I'm really... Um, upset about their coverage because it's decidedly one-sided and I get the plight of the Palestinians. I'm with you, but you know, two wrongs don't make a right. Anyway, Lisa Graves, the reason I asked you here was to talk about Trump uh, testifying. Has any other sitting or former president ever testified in, in a civil or criminal case um, where they're the defendant? 
I don't, I don't think anyone has, but I think that's because we haven't had, certainly not in the, in the 20, 20th century, um, people who engaged in, um, crimes, such a right. pattern of criminality that Trump has. I mean, I, I certainly think when you look at, um, Andrew Jackson and, um, his, um, treatment of the native peoples of the country, like those were crimes against humanity before, before that was defined, you know, by the international arena, um, you know, about a, a century ago, mm. um, uh, in some of the first real international law that wasn't just like bilateral international law, but, um, so I don't want to say that there have been no criminals or no people who have engaged in, in criminality um, in, in the White House. But certainly in our lifetime, um, you know, maybe there was Nixon, Nixon but wishes, you know. maybe Nixon wishes he was more ambitious. He just didn't, uh, <laughs> didn't uh, uh, aim high enough in the number numerosity of potential crimes that he committed. You know, um, and we, think criminal, back, though, to the 70s. And, uh, you know, look, I was a kid. You were a kid. But we can remember enough of it to know that it was unthinkable. unthinkable. And now, to it, it, you know, fast forward to the 21st century and to hear learned legal scholars say what Trump is guilty of is worse than Nixon, worse than Watergate. You know, we look back on it and my, that was so quaint. That wouldn't even raise an eyebrow today, would it? Well, I mean, I, I think uh, per, not infrequently about um, Howard Dean's yell, you know, um, at the Iowa caucus when he was, you know, just so excited and describing like, the states that they were going to pursue and how he was just pilloried in the press for, you know, that sort of guttural yell. And it and it's just nothing. It was nothing then. Yep. But, you know, to have him sort of hounded from the race, in oh. essence, that that was some sort of lack of decorum in some sort of way when it was just, you know, uh, <laughs> have you met Donald Trump? Right. Yeah. You know, and, and now like we've crossed the Rubicon in such a way that um, you have a person who is is just a notorious liar and there's no consequence who's indicted no consequence, indicted again, indicted again, indicted again, you know, and the charges are serious. This, this notion that these are baseless or these are political or politicized. No, I mean, the, the, the fraud, the, the fraud damages trial that's going on right now is astonishing. I mean, when Trump apparently said on the stand today that he thought Mar-a-Lago was worth a billion or $1.5 billion. Like, and like a half a billion know. dollars is like, Oh, there, there's no difference there. It was a billion or a, half, a billion and a half. Yeah. It's like no one in their right mind would pay that much for Mar-a-Lago. Not a single. Especially since it'll be underwater in probably 20 years anyway. You know, like it's just not it's not accurate. And then when Forbes, um, you know, the the Forbes reporter who he told, you know, he had, you know, the the apartments, the penthouse apartments were three floors and it was thirty three thousand feet. And, you know, it wasn't it was, you know, well, if if you add in the roof. You know, it's it's just it's 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 like dealing with like a lying eight year old who's just um, except for it's much more serious because it wasn't just lying about, you know, um, you know, how big the fish was he caught. It was lying in order to get loans that were not justified based on the assets that were asserted. And this is just an absolute pattern of this guy. And it's a part of another a a further pattern of fraud and deceit and I think um, Deutsche Bank had some sort of description for how they would just automatically discount anything he said or any paper they got from him because he was just so notoriously um, deceitful. 
Um, yet, you know, in, in the ideal world, they wouldn't actually send credit to such a deceitful Well, that's person. the thing. Yet, the, oh, they knew all this, yet they still did business with him. And apparently they were the only ones who still did yeah. business with him. And, and maybe that's cause for another uh, investigation, this time into Deutsche Bank. But Lisa, look at this. This is a graphic I pulled down from one of the TV channels today. And it shows, okay, the civil fraud lawsuit, which is what's going on now. That's a civil case. All of these other ones, Georgia election probe, hush money trial, criminal January 6th probe, criminal documents probe, E. Jean Carroll defamation trial, Am I wrong? Are 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 all of those criminal? Um. So, uh, E. Jean Carroll, that's a defamation. Okay, case. that's defamation. That's not criminal. That's not. But um, you know, there are. I think the count was ninety-one counts of um charges, criminal charges in the state or federal courts, and and those may not be the only charges that come because, as you point out, there are other charges under investigation. There's just such a pattern of criminality with Trump, um, that it, it's genuinely astonishing, and the fact that he's been able to convey to his fans that this is just a political, a political witch hunt is so absurd if they would read anything besides what he says or, or, um, you know, the, the not actually news outlets that they get their news from, they would see that these are quite serious charges. And, and, you know, in the case of the civil case with Eugene Carroll, I mean, it's, it's astonishing. He, you know, the judge said that he, um, you know, sexually assaulted her, um, that it was sexual assault and that she was, she was, you know, eligible for damages from him. And then yep. he, and then he's, then he smeared her again. And then if you look at the case today, uh, that's being tried in New York by, um, the attorneys who work for Letitia James, uh, the attorney general of New York, what you see is like the, the judge has already found fraud. Fraud has already been found. It's, it's been determined by the facts. And the thing at issue now is what's the penalty? What's, what are the damages that he faces? Like, so he's already been found um, by this court to have defrauded, uh, to have committed these crimes. Letitia Legitimately, too. Yeah. Lisa, if you would, you know, here's the deal. This Habas woman, I forget, Alina Haba or whatever her name yeah. is, right? Um, went out in front of the courtroom today and lobbed all kinds of accusations against the judge saying, you know, he decided this before we even set foot in court. Well, on direct directed verdict because you didn't request a jury trial. I mean, she should have known better. Should she not have? Well, I mean, that was actually astonishing. I had to read that twice because, you know, in general, um, in, in almost every criminal case, um, the lawyers for the defendant will request a jury trial because you want to take your, you you want to take a shot of the jury. You want to hope that maybe someone, someone dissents, someone helps hang the jury keeps from, keeps the verdict from happening, but they didn't have, they never requested a jury trial. And so it went to a, a bench trial. Um, those do happen from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes it's, it, it would be when someone feels like they, you know, can perhaps get a, perhaps a sympathetic ruling by the judge, or they think that the judge, um, that the facts are so clearly on their side that they'll prevail. I don't think any lawyer worth their salt would have thought that this is the type of case that should go to a bench trial. Um, any lawyer worth their salt would have requested a jury trial. And at least the reporting suggests that um, Alina Habib uh, was uh, that she that she was the one who didn't request a jury trial. So then for her to be complaining about the fact that there's already been a, a, a finding by the court um, without acknowledging in her statements that that's in part because she didn't request a jury trial. Like if that's also a little bit of misdirection. 
Um, and I actually can't believe she's still on the case. If I, I were know. the client, right? I would have fired her for, and then, and then, and then sought charges for her failure to request a jury trial, unless that was Trump's request. Like, I don't think that's the case, no. but um, he certainly could have directed her to not request a jury trial. Can't imagine that, that that's the case. But if you, if you were facing charges and your lawyer didn't request a jury trial, I certainly wouldn't have them sitting beside me at the table when the, when the case went to the next Right. And and he's apparently yelled at her over this, but I guess he didn't he didn't fire her and um, she didn't leave. And today she said something about, well, what is he paying me for? And that begs the question, is he paying her because he notoriously doesn't pay his attorneys? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can't defend uh, Trump's yelling at anyone, although I'm not surprised. Um, But I did want to go back to something you mentioned earlier. Nicole, which was this idea of the sort of mental competence or physical competence of Biden versus Trump. I mean, I just still can't get over his notion that because he could recite, you know, man, woman or person TV, that that was the the testament of his intellect that no one had ever passed that test. Okay, and can I also point something out here that that was all bullshit, because if you were given such a cognitive test, how would you what what would constitute the man, what the person from the man and the woman? It would be man, woman, child, maybe, but person, man, woman, camera, TV? No. Unless the person was, you know, this asexual being and Donald Trump doesn't you know, uh, account for those kind of differences. It, he lied about the whole thing. It wasn't person, woman, man, camera, TV, whatever it was. He's obviously forgotten because it wasn't uh, I mean, person, I, I woman, just, man, camera, TV. I confess I forgot the camera. Part. It's been a long time. But, still, I the but, but he said it but over and but over but again. But just but saying. Yeah, but, the, but the idea that, that that's the test of his competence, when that was actually a test of whether he was just baseline in living in the present day is shocking. But also like when you look at just the physical fitness of the, of the president of president Biden and bicycling and, and Trump's, you know, like I just like the, the, and, and, and there's been numerous misstatements by him. I think he confused Obama the other other day. And, and, and Cedar falls and Cedar Springs or whatever it was. And Jesse in the chat room saying U S is like us. Have you ever noticed that? Or saying, I invented the term caravans. I mean, oh my God, yeah. stop it already. Yeah, so I mean, like, there's definitely a double standard in the way this issue, the issue of age is covered. Of course, like I wish that there were um, candidates who were, you know, in my generation running for president, but not some of the ones that have been appearing on the Republican uh, primary side who are just, um, you know, like crazy anti-ESG um, people who, you know, don't have, you know, who have a lot of money, but don't actually have a lot of actual common sense in terms of what American people need in their lives. They have this privatization. Agenda. Like, so there are some younger people who have been running in the primaries who are also not stellar and who have terrible ideas. Yes. So it's not like age versus youth means you've got better ideas. Mm-hmm. I actually think the Biden administration has a tremendously positive record in terms of the economy uh, and advances in terms of equality and, you know, schools and, uh, more I bipartisan mean, it, legislation passed infrastructure, you know, yeah, on yeah. and on the last benefits. Year were, last year, there were no combatant um, deaths in like from our soldiers in in uh, 
in war zones. Mm -hmm. I think for the first time in years, the number was zero. And so there's, I think Biden has a tremendously positive record to run on and, you know, faces some uphill battle with some of this horse race coverage in the press. But I don't think that this, the, the idea that Trump is somehow superior physically or mentally, I mean, that's just part of the, the hero worship nonsense that he's helped promote. Um, And I certainly am not buying it. (laughs) <laughs> Nor am I. But, you know, we're the ones with the common sense here. It, 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 and, you know, there's a reason why he said famously, I love the poorly educated. And there's a reason why they're banning books and, and dumbing down our schools. Um, it's all part of the game plan. We have to let intelligence like common sense win out. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of that's been obscured by... Um, what's going on in the world right now. And I don't, well, I remain I don't hopeful. know what the I'll just say, is. I'll end on a positive note. I know we're out of time, but you know, I think, I think despite some of the bad polling out there, the American people for the most part get it. They get that there's corruption. They get that Trump is out of control and should be nowhere near power um, is unsuited to public office and they want our democracy to live and they do not want to fall to this dictatorial um sort of approach so this is my um, fingers crossed (laughs) yes fingers crossed but i remain hopeful the american people have more common sense than than i think some some pollsters give them credit for i i so hope you're right Uh, i've been uh i've not been so confident these last few days but i i will take from your optimism and hopefully adopt some of that lisa graves you're the best thank you as always always appreciate your input on on everything so, uh, thanks for having me on, Nicole, and hope you have a great birthday week. Thank you thanks. so much. Bye-bye. Uh, Lisa Graves, uh, she is the best, bar none. I'm so fortunate to have her as a friend and someone who will come on this show and set us straight from time to time. Me, straight from time to time. Um, yeah, uh, I love her reasoned approach to everything. All right. Uh, I got stuff, but I'll save it for tomorrow or the next day or the next day. Sadly. I don't think the ugliness is going anywhere. And um, maybe tomorrow I'll share with you the letters that I wrote to Katrina Vanden Heuvel at The Nation and the, uh, the direct message I sent to John Nichols. Because, um, well, let me just tell you, what, what I responded to from John Nichols was a piece, uh, his latest piece up at The Nation. And of course, my... Uh, uh, <laughs> A computer froze when I tried to click on it. Um, so you go to thenation.com. Let's see if I can do it on this side. Um, ba 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 ba. The nation. No, you're you're missing my point about the man woman man a person man woman camera TV thing. He would not differentiate it, it, to Donald Trump. There's man. There's woman. There is no designation person. It would either be man or woman. That's how I know he made up the whole thing. And it's all bullshit. I mean, I know it because he's a habitual liar. And so I would know it anyway. But yeah, they may be random words, but they show him a picture. He said they showed me pictures and it was person, man, woman. Really, what did the person look like, Donald? You tell me, how did that person differentiate themselves from the man or the woman. Just, just asking. All right. So the, uh, oh my God, 
Oh, somebody else that I had to respond to on at the nation is Dave Zirin, who wrote a piece called the left is not anti-Jewish. And then the subtitle reads, what we are witnessing is an effort to get people to see slogans like free Palestine as anti-Semitic and the protest as threats to Jewish existence. No, free Palestine is not anti-Semitic. From the ocean, from the river to the sea is. And all the acts of anti-Semitism happening to synagogues, to delis, to homes where Jewish people live, those are. And Dave Zirin, you should know better than that. And what uh, John Nichols wrote that had me so upset was, now I can't even find it, um, on the nation's website. Gee, I wonder why. Hmm. Um, John Nichols' uh, thing is not, uh, oh, here it is. Rashida Tlaib won Marjorie Taylor Greene zero. And the subtitle there reads, Greene's failed attempt to censure Tlaib united Democrats, divided Republicans, and energized ceasefire activism? I think not. I think not, um, John. And um, I will pick up on that notion tomorrow and probably share with you what I wrote to him. And I'll share with you what Bernie Sanders wrote, only to have his adoring left call him out and say, shame on you. To them, I say, shame on you. Shame on you. All right, with that, I'm done. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow if you dare to come back. I think Laffy will be here. All right. See ya. Peace out. To those who still believe in peace.